Our series, Empty Hands, is uh, continuing as the lights decide to come back on. I'm going to talk to you about the beginning of Venue Church today. Who's interested in how it looked when it started? Because what you see now is not what it looked like when it started. Um, my past, my present, my future, it all belongs to God. You know, there are many people trying to write your story, but God is the one who writes your story. And uh, when God calls you to do something like he called us to plant Venue Church, nobody can uncall it. No devil in hell can stop it if God has called you to do it. And you have to go about it in the right way. But I'm going to show you some of the miracles that happened when we planted the church here. Hey, um, good news, everybody. Um, uh, venue groups are, are back in homes. And so that's awesome right now that um, I feel like the government and healthcare are finally like in this place. We're like, hey, the church is actually pretty awesome and helping people. And so it is true. And so um, uh, we were just doing them in different buildings uh, here and uh, at the new building, which was awesome to be able to see that in construction uh, right now. It's the building right there. And afterwards, if you want a tour of that building, just go over there right after church. We have some people over there and we'd love for you to actually see it because we want you to make the transition very quickly that it's not the church being built over there. It's your church being built over there where your kids are going to get baptized and where your neighbors are going to come and forever have their lives changed and where people is broken and messed up as some of you were are going to come and find salvation and find healing and find it at the hands of Jesus. And, um, and listen, our team is so awesome. I just really want to commend our team to you because you guys would do, you know, I said like, hey, we need to do church. We got to take them out of homes. We, man, you guys would do groups in the forest of Endor with the Ewoks if I asked you to. And you guys are awesome and incredible. And so we're just going to flex and just keep doing what we've been doing this whole time. Um, hey, I felt like the last uh, round of restrictions uh, kind of landed on, on some of us a little bit hard. And, and um, I'm going to preach next. I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to preach about a sermon called Resilient. Is it resilient? Yeah, not resilience. Yes, I feel like that's what I told the creative team. Resilient. How many people know it's not how many um, times you can throw a punch. It's how many punches you can take and still get up and throw one. I'm going to show you how the devil can wipe you out on Monday morning and by Wednesday you're back. Rather than Monday morning and a month later or a year later, you're still reeling from what the, the work of the enemy in your life is. And I'm going to show you in the, the characters of King Saul how not to do it. That'll make you feel good about your life. And in uh, the lives of people like Abraham um, and people like Mary, the mother of Jesus. Hey, surprise, you're pregnant and you're teenage. And why don't you go tell your fiance that it was the Holy Ghost. Try it out sometime. And Paul the Apostle, who used to be like the world's most stubborn guy went from this side of it over to this side of it and how resilient he became in the gospel. I think that the, the world tells us you've got to be hard. I think God wants you to be soft in different areas because it's the tree that bends in the wind. And uh, some of us shattered a little bit and so God needs to do a work in our hearts. And so today's sermon is about the house of God and, and uh, the house of venue church. Here's how I want you to start thinking about the house of God. You will never do more for God's house than it does for you. If you ever start thinking that you do more for God's house than it does for you, well, it's one of the reasons why we have people on the dream team sit one and serve one. You need to be a part of the dream team, by the way, because if you only come and sit, then you're, you think it's like being a spectator in a sport where you're like, well, they do it better. And well, it might be true for your, you know, lack of hockey skill, but it's not really a church is not a sport. It's a war and spectators tend to get shot in the face. And so we uh, want to arm you and get you engaged in this life and connected because you're here to connect with God and people. And the only way you can do that is if you help somebody else connect with God and people. 
And, um, and I'm going to preach about the early days of the church. Our Wyatt Venue Church is a life saved, is worth everything. And if you don't understand that about us, we're going to start getting under your skin and we're going to annoy you. Thanks, Sean. But when you understand our why, then when you go to NXT, and some of you, if you're new in the summer, you need to go over to NXT and get connected in Venue Church, and that's what's next for you at Venue. It'll show you what and how we do it, but you have to understand that a life saved is worth everything to us, and you're going to hear about the cost that it cost our family, but also the dream team who came with us. About 30 people came with us, a lot of whom are still with us today, um, came and planted the church. We're a four-year-old church right now. And I'm going to challenge you at the end of this. You know, Pastor Mark is sitting there from uh, Haiti Arise, and we're their home church when they're in Canada. We love your family, by the way. and We love you guys. And they helped us start the church here. But I shared what I'm going to share with uh, you. I shared bits and pieces of it um, to First Wednesday, uh, two First Wednesdays, like about six weeks ago. First Wednesday is where we come to like worship and pray and have prophetic ministry. And you can come and you can struggle for the rest of the month or you can just come to First Wednesday. And uh, God will show you what to do. And, um, and he said, I shared it with the team and I actually did a cash call for the building. I hate asking for money, everybody. Uh, we're generous, but I hate asking for it. I squirm, I don't like it. I watched some churches raise money for like 15 years to build a building and never built anything. And so you wanna know what I did? We raised the cash first. We, 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 we were just really good with, with our resources and budgeting and our operating costs here. And we raised, we bought the building so that we could show you, hey, why don't you uh, give cash to like outfit it so that it's awesome. But we need walls to put up first. And so I'm just like, I just want a building to show people. I don't want to do campy church, but I want to also show you the bills because there's a time when you can come as a kid and you don't care what it's costing mom to put food on the table. But then there's a time you get to grow up and be like, okay, let's, uh, why don't we bring some food to the table? And um, depends if it's, you think it's your house and if, Anyways, it's going to be a good sermon today. You'll never do more for God's house than it does for you. If all you do is spectate, you'll start thinking that it's all about you. And then you'll be angry when we don't sing your favorite song in the worship service. And uh, there's a lot of angry people because there's a lot of worshipers here who have favorite songs. And, and, um, but also, if, you don't, uh, if all you do is serve and you never sit one, then you start thinking like, hey, I'm doing a lot for the house of God. And God's like, that's great, but I could replace you with, you know, an old shoe. Um, it's not that. It's not that. You need to sit down and experience what it's like to be a part of the corporate anointing and what God does. And I don't, I don't think in my home, um, I don't think in my home that, that my, I do more for my home than it does for me, my house. That would make me weird and selfish. It's not like that at all. It's family, everybody. Um, and listen, every dollar that we give, um, every dollar that we empty out of our hands and puts into God's hand, um, is tax receivable, which is a blessing in our nation. So you save like 30 cents and every dollar that we spend now, it saves us a bunch of interest because we scraped together 20% of a down payment. And I'll give you all the numbers, um, in a few minutes. I want to tell you kind of the background of venue church first. It saves us another dollar. Every dollar saves you 30 cents, but it saves us another dollar and a half or $2 in interest in the long run. But here's the thing, a study was done by the Halo Group, you're gonna love this, and the city of Airdrie needs to hear this, because um, they held me up for five months over a parking permit. Um, every dollar given to a church, a study was done by the Halo Group in, I believe, New York and Toronto. I just need to verify some of this, but this is what a pastor friend told me uh, yesterday, or two days ago. Every dollar given to a church saves the city $4.70. Because where else do you come? Where else is the whole package where you come in any state of family, life, anything, and you can be counseled, you can have support groups, you can have, you can have, you can have, you can leave every single week better than you came in here. Where else in the city have, 
But if you don't understand that in the city, and I'm trying to tell the city, I'm like, this is why we need this. But they're like, well, but you're not going to pay taxes on that land, right? And I'm like, taxes? I brought more taxpayers with me when we started the church than you're ever going to lose there. And we gave $70,000 away last year just to like give it and feed the poor and bless the city. And, and every dollar that you donate saves the city $4.70. So you can pay that if you want to, or you can be smart. And let the church... Get some property. Man, we had to fight for that. Five months arguing over parking. Um, listen, we've, near, we've baptized nearly 100 people since we started the church here. That is 100, just about 100. And we would have done it except for COVID. Stupid COVID. We'd have been over that. 100 lives changed forever, for all of eternity. Now, you have to understand, a life saved is worth everything. We said, our family and the hell we went through to get here, we said we'd do it for one person. And look what God has done. Look what God has done. Now, adoption. Adoption is free to the kid who gets adopted. Like when Jesus saved you, you didn't bring anything to the table. I hate to break it to you. He's like, yeah, no, but the adoption costs Jesus. And if you want to adopt people into the family of God, of venue church, the adoption will cost you. And I'm going to show you the cost of the dream team that started this church with us that we paid because salvation is free to you. And, and you got to come in and get baptized and saved and have your eternity changed forever. But it wasn't free to us. Why? Because adoption costs money. Now you, all, all the good that you do and all the giving you do will never get you to heaven. That's not how relationships work. We give because we are loved, because he gave first to us. And so, but once you're a part of that family, then the responsibility kicks in. It's like, no, we actually got to like do the dishes and we got to, it's a, it's a family. Can I just explain salvation really quickly? All the good you do doesn't do away with the bad that you were even born into because uh, God created a paradise, gave it to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve are like, hey, we're going to hire a consultant named the devil and give it to him. <laughs> Because that seems smart. And so we did. So sin nature, then, then we lost our, our life nature and, our, and the spirit inside of us died. And so what happened was every person born after that was born into sin. Now, Jesus was sent to reverse that. And, 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 but the, the reverse has to be made on your choice. And so God, God because we are dark, uh, what accord does light have with darkness, right? And so, so you can't because God is light. He sent the light into the world. And we put him on a cross, like, thanks for coming. Let's put you on a cross for our sins. But in that, in that blood sacrifice, because the, the, the old word says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so rather than your sins, for your sins, your life is required. But Jesus came and gave his life in your place. That's salvation. And that is what adopts you into the family of God. That costs Jesus a lot. And it costs us a little bit of our resources to adopt another person into the family of Venue Church. But isn't that awesome to welcome somebody in and wait till we do church over there, everybody. We're gonna do it right. Now, if it's up to you, if you wanna do church under a tree in the middle of winter and try to invite your neighbor kids over there and be like, wear a parka, it's cold. You could do that. But we came to, to Airdrie we wanted to get church right and we really wanted to get church right for unchurched people. King David says this, no, I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. I have one scripture verse today. I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. He made a mistake that God was redeeming by his sacrifice. And this guy says, hey, just take the property and take, and I'll provide the animals for sacrifice. It's all yours, David. It's all for free. And he's like, I will not offer that to the Lord, which cost me nothing. And our dream team that started this church that I'm going to like honor today and you need to honor because we would have nothing without their sacrifice and without the sacrifice of jesus let's just be honest we wouldn't even have what we have right now um and it's gonna get real i got all emotional but um look if it's if it's worth doing it's gonna be hard and i don't want to just i still can't preach a happy message 
I try sometimes, but I'm like, I just preach in the message that I wish I had heard that it saved our family all the hell that we went through. And so you're welcome. Um, <laughs> now listen, here's our family history. Yeah, you can clap for that, I, I suppose. Um, here's our family history. My, my parents both left, um, my dad was in business uh, in the 70s and uh, doing really, really well. And uh, my mom was probably one of the best uh, up and coming school teachers in her whole area. And God asked them to leave and move down to Los Angeles. Now, when you move from a town of 500 people to a city of millions of people and you can't Google it ahead of time, it's really weird. You know, eight lanes of traffic, there's eight in one direction. Like that's a lot of cars. That's more ca cars in that like mile section that are in your town. So it's a huge uh, adjustment and they ate through their savings. They left a new house and knew everything. They had everything that you spend your whole life working for, but who cares if it doesn't connect you with God and with people. And so um, they were just in a place where they felt God wanted them to do it. And because of their faith, we have a church now. And I'm gonna explain, they, they came back in the greatest cosmic joke of all time. God, God said, I want you to plant a church in Didsbury. And I know I'm gonna get to heaven, 100% this is happening. And God's gonna be like, Didsbury is, is a town between here and Red Earth, about 5,000 people. And it's great. It's, it's a small town. It's great. Drums and smoke on stage is like witchcraft. But it's great. It's a great town. <laughs> well, somebody knows how we served there. We lived there a long time. And it's a great place to raise a family, but um, kind of old and religious and not in maybe a great sense of the words. And um, I'm going to get to heaven and God's going to be like, dude, it's No, I was just messing with them. I just wanted to see if they would go. Um, it's going to be funny, but it was the foundation um, that we needed in our church right now. And so for 30 years, they worked there. They had five rental buildings, just one after another. And then they finally bought a building and then, then they bought another building. And we finally sold that last building. Now I took dad's church over. I grew up in the trades world. And so I, uh, my dad wanted me to go to trades world because he was a pastor. And so most pastor's kids are like, I do not want to be a pastor. Um, you're like, oh, but it's glorious on stage. I'm like, it's okay. Um, it's like anything. It's a lot of work. We get to see a lot of really good things happening and miracles, but we never get anything. We never get a win without a loss ever. There's never a, a day or an hour where something good happens and something bad is not happening. That takes a lot of resilience. Have I talked to you about resilience yet? I'm going to start a series next week about resilient and how to get you resilient. Have I talked about it in this service? My brain is, I did. I'm not going to do it again. Don't distract me. Um, so I took dad's church over there for a little bit, but it just wasn't working for me in that town. Um, and so I asked dad, I'm like, dad, what was it like when God called you here? And he told me, and I'm like, it's, I feel like it's just not working for me here. I wanted to plant churches and we thought we would do it from there, but knowing what I know now, it just wasn't going to work. And I walked out of town one Monday morning after finally coming and starting to pastor dad's church. I walked out of town one Monday morning and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, go. And the next words out of my mouth were like, don't mess with me. Like, you know, no backseats, you know? And so, um, but, but it was good there. And the reason that we had to start there, I think, was because um, we had some deep-rooted family problems that were happening. And uh, my wife is here right now. God has redeemed us, so don't worry about it. But I'll tell you, um, he redeemed a lot. It's why I have faith to preach for your family and to believe in redemption for you and your situation. Listen, not everybody makes it through. By the grace of God, we did, and we kind of know the path now. And so that's why I preach hard, and that's why I hurt your feelings. Because... Um, who cares how hard the path is if there's only one path? And so oftentimes that's what we've found. And so, um, so in a 10 minute conversation, I talked to mom and dad, can you imagine spending 30 years of your life building a church and then your son comes and in 10 minutes is like, God told me to go. 
You know what they said in 10 minutes? Well, then you'd better go because that's why we came here in the first place because God told us to. And if you go, then we're going to come with you and we're going to help you. And so I, uh, yeah, like that humility is at the base of what we do. We just, we just doing what God wants us to do. And that's all that we're going to do. And so that is not negotiable to us. And so, um, so they had to build buildings there. And so we sold that last building. We didn't get a whole lot of, for it, but it was a building in Ditsbury that was zoned a certain way. It was very difficult to... I had one option to sell it to, and we sold it to the city, actually. And it is now their city offices. And so we didn't get, like, loads for it. But what I did was I took just less than half of that, and I gave it to mom and dad as a retirement. Because every cent they ever had for 30 years went into the church. And they, their heart was overseas missions. They paid on that on their own dime. 45 times dad has been in Nairobi and all over the world. Like, we feed the, we love the, you know, this is what we do. And so, um, so I sold that. I gave less than half of that, which wasn't a lot to, to them just to, to help them retire. Um, and now they work for free. So that really worked out well for me. And, um, and, uh, we took the other, um, portion, uh, just, just over half, just a little bit over half of the time we've done with legal fees. And we came, that was our church planting money, our resources that came here because planting a church takes resources. And so, um, and to plant a church, right. The way that we, that we think that God wanted us to do it. So it took, it takes about two years in a, in a new church plant if everything goes well. Now, most church plants uh, fail, like 85%, I think is the number. I can't remember. I got to look it up again. It's something like that of church plants fail altogether in the first like three or four years. So, so we are on the, the very, and for God to have done what he's done here in four years is like in the lowest, lowest percentile, but because God has been faithful and because we work hard everybody we a life why because a life saved is worth everything that was like the motivating factor we'll bleed every drop of blood and we'll spend every dollar we have to get to one more and when you walk in and feel that i think that you can sense that like hey man we we take we take care uh of people we really love people here and, uh, and love them enough to challenge them all right now what's it like planting a church okay imagine starting a small business um with volunteers like, hey, how would you feel about you coming and then asking the volunteers who are going to start the small business for you to fund the small business for you? <laughs> and let's add to that. Um, let's add that the devil is trying to kill you the entire time. And the devil's just trying to get to you. And if he can't get to you, he's going to get to your wife. And if he can't get to her, he's going to get to your kids. And if he can't get to them, he's going to get to your best friend. And he's going to mess their marriage up. And he's going to make them sick. And he's going to get to the theater managers and stuff like that. He is working overtime. Why? Because you think that he's going to give up a hundred people's eternities like that. You think he's just going to let it go. No, no. When you go down into the dungeon, you get a little bit burned. You get a little. And so, um, so planning a church is inter interesting. Now, now I, when I heard go, I put it on the back burner for a month. I talked to six, five or six pastor friends of mine. I think it was six. And everyone came back in the month. I talked to Pastor Aaron, obviously, but everyone came back in the first month. I didn't talk to anybody else and said, yes, that's the Holy Spirit. You need to do it. And so I just told you how to make big decisions by the way, before you talk to people that agree with you or just tell people what you're doing. Um, yeah. So it came back. It was con confirmed in, the, in, in a multitude of counselors. There is safety. And um, these are people ahead of me in the journey. And so um, I totally opened myself up and I'm like, I think this is what God said. As soon as you say to your pastor, God told me this, then I'm like, well, I guess you'd better do it, even though it's crazy. And that doesn't sound like God. 
So I always say like, hey, why don't you just ask the question? So I did. I'm like, I think God said this. It came back that that, that was um, what he said. Then I ran it out to um, initially to a few people and then the director's team. We went on a director's treat in, retreat in January. This is all kind of a fog for me. So if I get a little bit wrong, just you'll see why in a minute. So the director's treat, you remember that we went and... Uh, and we went on the director's street. I told everybody, they're like, yeah, let's do this. Let's, that's God. Let's do it. And that night, our marriage fell off the rails. It had been, like, progressively falling apart uh, for the last, for the four years before that. And then it, like, fell off the rails, off the rails. Three weeks followed of, like, a horrible, hellish nightmare. It was already bad, everybody. Like, so, so that happened. And then we got to this place where it was just, it was just so bad. I sent a text out. You have to understand my personality. We don't quit. You'd have to kill us to get us to stop. And I was at the end of it, and I figured I had about a week left, and I didn't know. Can I just be honest with you? Now, I'm not being melodramatic. I didn't think I was going to live another week. So that's how bad the pressure was there. And um, we were, you know, everything, I, I couldn't see. We, I can always see a way through it. Uh, and so things were real bad. And, um, and I sent a text out to half a dozen of my pastor friends all over the province in Western Canada. And I said, we're done. Like I, there's no way through this. And, uh, and uh, a couple of them came up that night from Calgary. One of our best friends, Travis and Amy came down from Grand Prairie and um, well, just got in a car and just drove. And uh, without them, we wouldn't have a church. You wouldn't be here. You wouldn't have gotten baptized. And so they came all the way down and they just, they helped us. And, and our small group people, Crystal and Quinn, they took our kids at that time. And so and I'm like, God, I, I'll give you a month, but I don't think I can make it to the end of the week. And I'll give you a month, you know. And then, like, literally, guys, the, the next year we planted the church. So that entire year and then the year after and then into the third year, it kept going on and on and on. That's what we were dealing with personally. That's why church looks the way that it does and why we just want you to be real and honest. Because I think church cultures tend to cover things like that until it all falls apart. And then nobody knows why it's falling apart. Well, we went through it and we went down to hell. And that's why I preach the way I preach. So you don't have to. And so, and so, but, but hey, in spite of what, because the devil got in there. And in spite of what the devil did, God still brought us here. And listen, we're the only family that the church plant actually saved. Because the church plant was fun compared to what was going on at home. And uh, you want to hear some of the funny stories of the early days of the church plant? We, um, so, so before we even came, about 30 people that I figured might come with us because I had to shut dad's church down in Didsbury. Try that for, try that sometime. <laughs> and try selling the building that somebody's kid got married in. Like, oh, I got to get married. You know, I, get, get, I got married there too, guys. And so <laughs> just try it. You know, like, well, you can't, you know, like, and um, so I, I, I put a mixtape together and we carpooled, about 30 of us, we carpooled to the Performing Arts Theater that I already had a, a verbal with there. And, um, and we carpooled and I put a mixtape together and I'm like, there are carefully hidden clues in the mixtape about our destination. And Sean Gibson's brain is still exploding because it was April Fool's Day and there was no hidden clues. There were just songs that I thought were fun. And so his brain still is like, there's clues and I know that that's where we were going. No, Sean, I love you, but you're too introverted. That's, your brain is all messed up. And so we went to the back of uh, Birchers Theater, which was great, um, great. That was a miracle that we even got that place. And so we stood at the back, and I'm like, in a year's time, we were going to launch the following Easter. We actually bumped it up to um, New Year's Eve, but like the January of, so we, we bumped it up there. Um, because once you, we started rolling, we had to move pretty quick. And, and, uh, and I said, we're not going to be doing church in a year's time in Ditsbury anymore. We're going to be doing it here. I'm like, you know how it is when you say something, you're like, we're pregnant, you know, like, just like, um, 
And so it was like that. But everybody starts cheering and starts. And now she got so excited, she ran down and wrecked her leg trying to climb up the stairs down there. And she still got scars. And, and, but the sacrifice of people who gave above and beyond their 10%, every time that that family feeds the poor and, and feeds Afghan refugees and keeps them alive a little bit, come on. Every time there's an opportunity to give, they, they give checks to the church building. And they, why? Because it's their building. It's their house of God. It's their family. It's, and, uh, and they moved here. They, they, the Lord teleported the same house that they had in Didsbury here for $100,000 more. That's all that it cost them. It wasn't the same house. I'm just telling you. It was the same house plan. And so they gave sacrificially. But look what God has done. And I look at what God has done in their family too. Um, I, I got so much stuff to share with you tonight. Um, Bird Church Theater. Who came to church when we were at Bird Church Performing Arts Theater? Do you guys remember that place? I loved the lobby space. It was so cool. The building was so cool. The kids' spaces were terrible. Um, you know what seemed like a good idea to me at the beginning? Because like, to me, I'm just like, hey, if it's a terrible idea, that's awesome. Let's just throw a lot of energy at it. And so um, I thought, well, let's do kids' spaces over at Genesis Place. And so we marched kids in the dead of winter across that parking lot. We didn't lose a single one to frostbite or car death. I don't know how, because our venue kids, people are like, hey, let's do small groups on Endor. Why not? We love Ewoks, you know? And so they just did it. And they, and our mini space was tucked in underneath of the, the stage area. And, and like, if you've ever gone down to like, watch like a, a horror film with like a dungeon, that's kind of the same vibe. And you'd walk down there and then you, it was the cosmetics lab for the school that had been built in the previous century. Not really, but had the vibe, you know? And you walk in there and there's all these like severed mannequin heads everywhere. And I like, just think about taking your little three-year-old Lucy downstairs just to get familiar with the space and be like, here you go. Oh my goodness. Oh my. We learned if you want to get little kids saved, you scare the hell out of them. Come on. That's for free. I just thought of that in the first service. I thought it was funny. Those severed mannequin heads. Guess how we're going to decorate the new building? Severed mannequin heads. We're bringing it back around. Um, but man, we did it. We, we did it there. And, and some of the stories that we have, they're like, we would, we had three people work vacuums one time for like an hour straight because we walked in and the entire theater was covered in popcorn and our, our staff would come in and find like disasters sometimes. And like the people we worked with, there were pretty good most of the time, um, the weekly people, but then the management took over eventually and they were kind of hostile to, to us and, uh, and things eventually kind of turned south and that's why we came here. And so, but man, we learned like we would get written up for having like cupcake crumbs on the floor when we're like, we just vacuumed the entire theater of popcorn, you know? And oh my goodness, do not go into the performing arts theater with glitter. <laughs> glitter is their version of what they think the devil, the work of Satan in this world is glitter. Oh my goodness. We got written up for glitter. I don't know how many times. Um, they had a door to the multi-purpose room that to this day probably still doesn't work. Every week it was the same thing. I'd be like trying to get in the door and be like, yeah, the door's broken again. I'm like, it's always been broken. I don't know that it's ever actually worked or not. If you weren't there, you don't really appreciate the team that had to do it there. And I'm telling you, they put tape on the floor before COVID made it cool. <laughs> now you want an eight on the Enneagram to walk in, like look grocery stores. Can I just say, if you put an arrow on the floor, I go in the opposite direction. Don't tell me where to walk 
in a grocery store. I don't even want to be in the grocery store. And I'm here by my good graces. And you're going to put an arrow and tell me which way to walk in the grocery. I did not do well through COVID, everybody. Well, they one time, because they, they were freaking. First of all, they would close down the auditorium uh, far more often than they needed to. Because a lot of times Sunday mornings, there was nobody in there. And then they would close it down. We'd have to do lobby services. So we'd have to rent equipment and lights and chairs and put all these people in the, in the lobby space because they had scheduled maintenance that most of the time they weren't even doing. I popped my head in there and stuck around. And sometimes I'm like, there's nobody in here. This is embarrassing. But we'd have to adjust. And then they're like, well, you can't block the fire exits. And the fire exits were a huge deal there, even though they were everywhere. We came in one time. They had eight feet for a fire exit. And I think the code is like 40 inches or something. And I walk in there and I'm like, oh. The things we had to, every week we would get there and I'd be like, what is it this week? You know, I would get there and I'd be like, where's the coffee table? Well, they asked us to move it because they said it was blocking the fire exit. I'm like, we're moving stuff in and out of the fire exit. It's blocking the roof access. Is that where they want us to go in case of fire? Up on the roof. Hey, we're all up on the roof where you wanted us. You know, and then they come back the next week and they'd move the table again and be like, well, you can't put it there. Well, the last person told us to put it there and then we'll move it back and then move it back. And then... it's like a city bureaucracy, everybody. And if you want to like test Pastor Corey's patience, put me in a bureaucracy where nothing quite works right. And then if it's not working, then just get everybody to say no a lot. And uh, I was in one meeting that I was asked by my own people not to go back into again. And I'm like, is anybody allowed to say yes here? Anybody? Because all we hear is no all the time. We came here to Footprints. This seemed like a huge um, step back for us at the time. But we didn't know that COVID was coming. <laughs> so we moved into here in December of that, that year before COVID. And we got great flexibility. We walked through with the owners, Pastor Aaron and I. And, and we're like, hey, so can we use this? And they're like, yes. And can we do this? Yes. And can we? Yes. Yes. I'm like, I haven't heard this many yeses in three years. I don't even know. Like, I don't know. My heart is full right now. <laughs> When Amy asks me, how's your heart? I can actually say like, my heart, I know what that is. Most of the time it's like, it's good. It's there. It's pumping blood. It's doing its job, you know, but now I'm like, I get it. My heart is full. And so we came in here. Now the kids, venue kids workers love this because it's just easy to do kids here. As opposed to the severed mannequin hands that we've talked about already or walking kids across the parking lot because pastor thought it was a good idea. But um, the rest of the spaces, we have to work really hard. Crystal and her team have to work really hard at the spaces here because it's an elementary school. But you know what? God gave us the freedom in like the only building. We'd look for 20 or 30 buildings, guys. This is all we could find. And it was the perfect building for us. And God knew that COVID was coming. And, and we were able to function here and grow because of the ridiculous amount of fire uh, occupancy <laughs> because it's a school. And God blessed us because of that. And we were able to keep functioning as a church and, uh, and even record things in the lockdown, lockdown, lockdown. So we were able to record things and we were just able to flex and move and, and actually grow by like a lot during COVID, which, which is incredible. Now, um, we, um, I remember one time we got in there, I think we were doing an evening service and there was a Ukrainian dance recital there or something like that with like 300 Ukrainians in there and they went overtime like an hour and a half overtime or something, something like that. We had less than an hour. Now I'm not going to like kick you a bunch of Ukrainians out of anything. <laughs> so we just had to like de deal with it. And we're all, all our volunteers like, cause we had, we came in with a small army to do church setup. You know, and we had to set up so much stuff. We had to set up an entire sound system. The sound system you see now here sounds 10 times better than it did there. But we had a, a sound system there that was 10 times worse. It took 10 times the setup. 
and then we had all our in-ear stuff. Now you just plug a battery pack in and it works every time. Isn't that amazing? Well, then it was like, it's all plugged in and everything would go wrong. I would be troubleshooting before I would lead worship and preach. I would be troubleshooting two or three things and all the workers had like 47 job descriptions and we just, we just, it was a street fight and we figured it out and, uh, and our people were just incredible. And we like to work too. There's also that. Um, baptism season. Can I say they had an aversion to water there, to holy water. And so I don't know if it was all a bunch of vampires there. I'm like, I'll sign anything you want us to sign. I'll pay anything you want us to pay. We got to be able to do a baptism. How about this? How about the lobby space? They actually let us do it for, for one day. And then they emailed the next day and said, yeah, no, we were just messing with you. And so we weren't able to do baptisms in that building, even though every school and every place that ever rents to churches, theaters do baptisms inside that theater would not do baptisms. And so we finally would do them in the loading dock. Well, so, so one time it was the middle of like winter, like minus 30 outside. And we had 28 people to baptize and we couldn't do it there. You got baptized by video that, didn't you? We did 28 video baptism. Didn't you? I feel like you didn't, but we shot that in my garage. You were in the loading dock. So we had 28 people we needed to baptize that time. And we shot the videos in my garage and baptized them in my garage. And I got so sick because it was so cold and, and like our garage was kind of heated, but it was hot and cold. I got so sick. I had to go to Mexico over Christmas because they wouldn't give us the theater. And I'm like, fine, I'm going to Mexico. And it took nine days in Mexico to get the cough out of my lungs. But hey, we baptized people. We baptized, uh, there's so many stories I want to tell you. It was incredible. And it felt like a downgrade when we came here. We kept looking for property. We kept looking for property. I wanted the MacArthur building on the highway on the north. Now I know what I know about the city. And that wasn't zoned right. Because I had five months of arguing with the city about parking right here. And it's already zoned for public assembly. And I know now that we have more parking here than there was in MacArthur. They never would have given it to us. And we couldn't afford it anyways. I thought we could get it on a fire sale when it went for sale. If you don't know the building, it's north of that, the north overpass. I think we're on the right side of town. And we're also in the part of town that's called the King's Heights. And I'm like, Canada doesn't have a king, so I know who they're talking about, and we're going to build a building right there for him. So I think that that's pretty cool, too. Um, now, can I run you through some of the building costs? Because I don't want to be a church that never tells you anything so that you never know anything about what's going on, and you just think that the government pays for sunshine or whatever. I know people didn't think that the government pays for churches to be in existence. I'm like, oh, no, they don't. Um, so here's what we got. We got five commercial bays there, and we paid $2 million and fifty thousand dollars for those five bays plus half gst so 2.1 uh, million dollars is what we bought that building probably right now is probably worth about 2.8 i think i'm just taking a stab at it because the cost of everything went up now sadly the cost of our build out went out so scott's build out budget right now for that building because it's just empty bays now lots has been done but we're still building out the mezzanine has just been completed it cost us more than we wanted, but hey, we, we have a mezzanine. It saved us buying a whole other bay just for space. It's going to be incredible. Um, Scott's build out, his actual budget was 400 and some thousand, and I gave him 280,000 with a mezzanine to do that was going to eat up about half of that. So, um, so we need to help out Scott a little bit with that budget because he's constantly complaining. It costs, look, it's high-end commercial there. We couldn't do anything with wood, uh, just the way that it is. Um, and it's, it's, it's the best building in town for us. It's great. Um, and it's great size for us right now as well for the next, um, um, you know, so many years, I think. And so um, head over there afterwards. If you've never been over there, we're arranging tours. So go over there right after the service and start seeing what it's like there. Um, we're going to, it's going to go pretty quickly now. So, um, and here's what I want to say to you, even about God's house. Just ask God what he wants you to sow. And if he says nothing, then I'm fine with that because it's his house. 
but really, I, but, but giving creates ownership. And there's some things in your life at the end of the service. I'm just going to show you that God does when you give. And they're not the things that you think that he does. Um, can we put up the, the, um, the slide there? Uh, I'm in for it. Not that one. There we are. It's my daughter back there. Come on up, worship team. Um, listen, Jesus makes a huge deal out of a widow who gave the last two coins that she had. She didn't give the coins so that somebody would make a huge deal out of it. She gave it because she loved God. And Jesus said, that widow gave more than all these other guys that came in with all of their wealth, giving a little bit out of all the excess that they have. That widow gave more. She gave everything that she had. But it's funny that Jesus never said, don't give it. He never told the widow not to give it. Why? Because that was the seed of a miracle. And we don't hear what miracles that God had in mind there. But if I know Jesus, I think that that widow wasn't going to be without a family for very long after that. Come on, Venue Church. I think that God had a plan. And her giving everything and emptying her hands to God it, it created a miracle for her, as it does for all of us. Um, this is the slide. If you are interested in that, I just want to throw that out to you. And again, I hate asking for money. I, we're generous, but I hate asking for money. So I wanted a building to show you first. And um, Pastor Aaron and I, we, we gave sacrifices. I went and prayed about it, and I felt like God said, can I talk about actual numbers here? And look, I don't make the money that I even used to make in the trades world 15 years ago. So I'm just going to be honest with you. We, I was like, God, what do you want us to give? And I felt like I should give $5,000. I'm like, okay, we can, we can do it. We can scrape it together. Then I made the mistake of asking pastor Aaron what she thought she said I was thinking about giving 10 and I'm like get behind me Satan <laughs> but you know what then the competition is on and I'm like I don't like lose and I don't want to get to heaven and St. Peter's gonna be like hey cheapskate what's up <laughs> I'll be like well you know see, uh, the five, it's about the $5,000 right and I'm like well no because I feel like I don't see like yeah buck buck <laughs> dude we'd be like Aaron, how do you live with this cheapskate for anyways? You know what though? Everything about it, we just want to pay our house off. We're just about there. But I'm like, that can wait for a little bit because here's the deal. You heard my story. We had no house. Without Jesus, we would have no house. We would have never met you. We would never have baptized nearly 100 people. Our family, some other guy would be raising my kids. Come on, venue church. What is a house? In it can wait, but the house of God. I must not give to the Lord that which cost me nothing. We, we wanted to sacrifice. And so many of you have been so generous with the house of God. Do you want to know how much we've raised in pledges so far? I just want to tell you how generous you are. $170,000. It's incredible. And we just want to give you an opportunity to be a part of that. Because Pastor Mark is like, send it to the whole church. Don't just do this with First Wednesday. you got to let the whole church in on it. And I'm an obedient man. And I can obey the Holy Ghost when I hear him through somebody. And... Um, if you've uh, pledged also, you need to actually pay those. <laughs> I have tradespeople. We have 100000 of our loan account right now. Just I want tradespeople to get paid. And so we're just, we're just floating that. We'd love to be able to do that. Can I show you what God is going to do for you? Emil and Lilani were planning a trip to South Africa. And they gave all of their South Africa money here. And a week later, I just helped them move a brand new washer and dryer into their brand new house that God had for them. That's perfect. A week later, that deal happened. There's the other side that you just need to pray and do whatever God tells you to do. Because Layton and Amy, because they're stupid, we're like, because they're generous. They're like, we're going to give our house down payment we've been scraping together. And I told them, no. Stop eating out and give that if you want to give that. I'm like, no, 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 no. There's this thing that you got to do what God wants you to do. But I would always err on the side of generosity. Thank you. I want to bless you because of that. But I also want you to be smart. And I want you to find a house so that I can come and have a party there and mess it up too. And so anyways... Um, but, but 
can we put some of the just the budget things up there? You know, I was getting bogged down a little bit because all the bills were coming in a few weeks back. And Pastor Nate, my pastor, and Pastor Peter from Substance Church, I said, hey, could you pray for me? I'm getting bogged down. We've got a lot of bills coming in. He said, yeah, I'll pray for you. But Substance is writing you a check for 5,000 US. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Which is like a million dollars in Canadian money, by the way. I'm like, no, no, no. I was not asking for money. I was asking for prayer. And you know what he, you know how my pastor talks to me? He said, we want in on that harvest. And then he said, we're doing it anyways, dork. So there you go. Here is what we want to do church right. And so this is a Dowell's uh, post-production budget. We need to get into some new stuff so that we can really uh, increase our online because we have people in South Africa watching right now, people all over the place and it's connecting people. We want them to have a local church, but we want to help them get there, right? So this is incredible. We just need some new stuff. Uh, so that's, I think about 12,000. Let's put up the other one. Uh, this is our lighting package. We have awesome lights coming. That's just over $40,000. Um, we have lights coming for the auditorium that like have these things that go like this and then they change colors and then they can do a bunch of stuff. Can you imagine inviting your neighbor to church and be like, oh, you just got to come and see the lights. And then we'll trick them and give them Jesus. Okay. You see that last one? Pastor wants an LED wall. Hey, pastor got an LED wall because of your generosity. A 16 foot LED wall that I got for like a third of the price of a previous quote because a buddy of mine hooked me up at just the right time and God is good and it's amazing. And youth, imagine your youth going to church and doing live worship with a 16 foot LED wall on a Friday night or on a Wednesday night. Yeah, come on, that's gonna be awesome. Here are three things that giving back to God does. The first thing it does is it fixes hearts. What does it have to do with heart? It does because your heart follows your treasure. When you give, it actually allows God to fix the hearts of the people around you. Because can I just be honest, they're a little tired of your little homemade heart surgery. Because you're not a surgeon and they know and you're just gouging out things with spoons and stuff like that. And you're trying to work on your own heart, just stop and let the heart surgeon call the Holy Ghost do it. And when you give, it actually, the Holy Spirit's like, get your hands out of the way. Oh my goodness, a spoon? You brought a spoon to the surgery. Go sit down and think about what you did. It fixes hearts. The second thing it does is it unlocks the windows of heaven for God's provision for you. Listen, people pray for blessing all the time. I'm like, the lock is on your side. Quit praying about something that the lock is on your side. Unlock it with giving. It's pressure. So as soon as you open it, it's going to pour out. And the third thing it will do is it will unlock heaven itself to somebody far from God. We said we'd do it. We'd empty everything and we'd do it again for one life. And God has given us nearly 100 souls for all of eternity. We would give everything for the next one, though. It will never be about numbers. It will be about the person and the name that that number belongs to. And so I just want to give you that. A life saved is worth everything. I really want you to pick up that spirit about Venue Church. Sorry for taking a little bit of extra time, but I'm not really sorry because I feel like you just needed to hear about the generosity of the dream team who came here with us in the sacrifice. Come on, let's sing and pray for miracle today.